This is Simo, where we help you see more. Hi, I'm Alex Semenzato, and this is the Simo Podcast. Hello, everyone. How are you? I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a great day and an even better week, whatever you have been up to. It certainly got a lot colder here in London, so I hope you're staying warm. I hope you're staying productive, being creative, and also keep up that motivation. This week, we speak with Ruben Christian. He believes that everyone on Earth has unique talents that need to be discovered through experimentation and then developed in order for them to live their best life and play their part in serving humanity. Ruben works as a comedian, speaker and facilitator and has over a decade's experience creating and hosting edutainment shows, live, online and podcast-based, that encourage the next generation to explore their authentic potential. He's also worked with the BBC, Channel 4, Virgin Media, Pearsons and TEDx, to name a few companies, and hosted everything from intimate live music nights comedy shows, larger entrepreneurial debates and festivals whilst on this mission. He's currently created and hosts transformative experiences through Dream Rehab, which helps companies and individuals achieve their goals through practical means with a massive focus on the art of empathetic collaboration. Ruben is very transparent in this episode. We discuss his career to date, the importance of understanding your mental health, and how he is supporting people to achieve their dreams. I hope you enjoy this episode, and thanks for listening. Hi, Ruben. How are you? Oh, I'm zened out. <laughs> I'm zened out right now. I had a meditation and yoga session prior. I was proper zened out, and then I rushed down here because yeah. I couldn't find, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so now I'm trying to reclaim the zen. Reclaiming the Zen. Yeah. I mean, did you know? Is do I is that special treatment for the Simo podcast? Like, do you, do you prepare yourself with a, a yoga and a, a Zen before? I tell you what, <laughs> this is the first time I've ever done anything mindful prior to a podcast. So you might get a more, I don't know, a more distilled way of speaking from me today. Wow, okay. Or you might not. I might just end up being my normal self, Alex. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see. Or we can compare. <laughs> um, no, it's absolutely fantastic to have you on the SEMA podcast. Thanks so much for sharing your time with us this afternoon. Um, as always, we love to start with some icebreakers. Oh, so let's, let's get go. into it. Let's go. Nice and easy to start. Right. Favorite color? Orange. Nice. Very easy. Do you want the why? If you want to Do give me the why. Do you care about the why? No. No, you don't care about the why? Just the <laughs> no. ting? All right, we'll stick with orange. Then. We're going to get, well, the next one will have to be a why. Okay. You've been given an elephant. Oh. You can't give it away or sell it. Lovely. What would you do with the elephant? Is this a baby elephant? Is this a massive Dumbo's <laughs> mum ting? What kind of elephant here? Give me some specifics um, here, Alex. It's, uh, pick, it's an elephant. It. It's an elephant. That's helpful. Um, I guess an elephant without it having baby in front of it would be a normal size elephant. I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd secretly, this is, and I won't go public with this, I'd, I'd, I'd use it to tow heavy objects around <laughs> and charge a premium for that on a D-Lo. So I'd use it for a side hustle. <laughs> 
um, at night. So people, but, would, people wouldn't know that you're using the elephant because that's quite a lot of people would have a, you know, they'd be pissed off about that. That's like animal cruelty. Do you know what? I'd holler at marketing. I mean, you work in marketing, yeah, don't you? Yeah. Marketing and PR. Yeah. You maybe have to spin it somehow. Okay. We can get some money. We yeah. split it. Yeah. Um, but during the day, I would probably <laughs> set it up um, in Newham where the kids don't have that much to do. Uh, to learn about elephants and get someone to come in and give an elephant lecture in East Ham. There's a park in East Ham that's big enough for an elephant, and I think okay. they'll learn about elephants, which awesome. will hopefully spike curiosity around nature. I, and I love that. Thank you. A bit, bit of uh, entrepreneurialism, <laughs> bit of hustling, a <laughs> bit of uh, education giving back. I'm like out it. here, man. Yeah, trying um, to provide value. What song describes your life? Oh, wow. I like big butts. No, that's lies. <laughs> that's my old life. Um... What song currently describes my life? Wow. I mean, something that comes to mind in the, the current energy that I'm sitting in now is a, show, is a song by a friend of mine called Shaka. Okay. Um, he's got a tune called Strength of an Ox, nice. um, which is mainly about resilience. Um, and it's about um, how he feels when he's at his lowest, when he's got no money and everything's kind of fucked up, but he just has to remind himself that he's, he's got a strong core and so he gets up and carries on. I think, yeah, okay. I'm going to go with that for now, man. Nice. Shout out to Shaka. Man like. If you were a type of jeans, <laughs> what type would you be? Hopefully not distressed. <laughs> if I was a type of jeans, what type you look, you look like would a bootleg kind of jean person. <laughs> you think so? No, 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 I'm nah, man. The bootleg's a bit messy. It's yeah. a bit all over there. It's yeah, colliding it's like with boots. That, over the shoes. Yeah, there's like excess material that don't know what it wants to do with itself. <laughs> it's not focused. I would say I'd be a a slim, tapered denim. That's kind of stretchy. Okay. So it's, 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 it's <laughs> mm. I'm breaking this shit down. So it's, it's, it's clean. It's got some uniformity to it, but it's flexible, but not ridiculously flexible. Right. Right. Um, in terms of color, I think it would, do you remember those old school acid washes? you got the mad colors on them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're horrible to look at now, but in terms of color, I think that would be the color of the denim because I can be a little bit out there at times. Okay. Yeah. I like it. If you had to be handcuffed to one person for an entire month, who would it be? Oh my gosh, Alex. <laughs> Where'd you get these questions? I know. You sick guy. <laughs> handcuffed to one person for one month. Uh, did I have to be alive? Did Every I have to be alive? They have to be alive. <laughs> no, it has to be alive, yeah. They have be, to be alive. Otherwise, it's a bit pointless. Well, not necessarily, because you could start asking questions about your mortality. During that time. How long am I handcuffed to this person for? For the whole month. One, for one, one month, month. 24-7. Sir Ken Robinson. I think. Just because I'll just ask this guy so much questions about the education system and what needs changing and how it can add value. But then just also pick his brain for wisdom. And also I think he'll be funny. Good. Yeah. That's good, yeah. I think it'd have to be someone ultimately that you, you'd want to learn a lot from. Yeah. I wonder if I could provide some value to him because that'd be horrible for him, wouldn't it? Being stuck with me for mm. fucking month. It would. Mm. Thanks. <laughs> uh, last two. Yeah. Uh, how would you describe your personality in ice cream flavors? Oh, it would be a lemon sorbet with those little tangy, fizzy, chewy bits. Right. <laughs> um, 
It's not technically ice cream, but we'll give it you. We'll give it you anyway. A lemon sorbet ice cream. Oh, okay. With the fizzy tree bits. <laughs> um, yeah, that is nearer to ice than it is cream. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, we'll give you the sorbet then if you wanted it. Cheers. You wanted the non-ice cream. Cheers, man. Um, and lastly, a quick fun fact about you. Wow. What route do we want to go down here, Alex? Just a, just a quick one that comes throughout because I know we're going we're gonna to talk a lot about you and who you are and what you've been up right. to. So. Um, this is an interesting one. My first orgasm was, <laughs> right. do you know what I was watching? What? White Men Can't Jump. Wow. Yeah, there was a scene there. And something happened in my groin. No way. Really, well, I'm not joking. No fucking way. Yeah, it was really, really odd. This is before I. <laughs> this is before my balls were producing any semen. Wow. Yeah, it was like a dust orgasm. Nothing came. It was like the feeling, but nothing <laughs> came out. Yeah, no one would believe okay, that. Okay, well, well I think real. it's about time. I mean, that was probably the best round of ice breakers we've oh, had. <laughs> I'm happy, man. Um, all right. Let's get into meet a conversation. Mm. Uh, dream rehab. Right. What is the concept? Yeah. So in its current iteration, its current form, dream rehab is a workshop that takes people out of isolation, as in their own worlds, brings them together um, in a fairly safe, oh, no, a safe space to talk about and share their challenges, which humanizes those challenges, um, and then uses collaboration to help achieve their goals slash dreams. That's what Dream Rehab is. It's about the power of collaboration to attain goals and to, to achieve dreams. Because I think a lot of the time we try and go off and do shit by ourselves, um, and that can never work. Mm. And, I've, and I've experienced that firsthand and I've had burnout many times. Mm. And so now the only way to actually get anything done, I truly believe, is collaboration. Yeah. That's what Dream Rehab is about. It which which up- is a crazy concept though as well because it's like... You know, it's it's weird, and there's something that we talk about in the podcast a lot is like how technologies democratize a lot of industries, and obviously for the good, but also the negative impact. And and arguably with Dream Rehab, it's mm. like it's such a human element to it. It's like bringing people together, you know, that might be from different backgrounds or have different challenges or from different places or work in different industries but like just putting everyone in a room mm. and then just having like a, a kind of a, a forum to discuss that's such a human thing compared yeah. to you know arguably a lot of people kind of are isolated or kind of going off on their own because of technology yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree yeah. and, and I, it wasn't I didn't purposely do it to counter the fact that technology is leading to isolation in some cases it was just what I needed at the time like I needed my dreams rehabilitated I yeah. needed self-belief in my path and my capabilities and my talents to to be refueled and so I had I made this thing and so it's like whenever I deliver it it's also healing for me yeah so I'm not at dream rehab although I'm giving out information like I'm giving out practical ways that I've learned through first-hand experience and what I've learned through study yeah. on how people can get past their own personal blocks it's also me learning from the struggles and the solutions of every single person in that room mm. and it keeps reminding me that for the most part our struggles are all the fucking same yeah yeah they come they, they've come down to two main things from what I've what I've picked up that's fear um, in whatever capacity that may be. Um, and even if you're able to push past the fear and trying to do something new or grow, it's overwhelm on where to start. So they're the two main things that keep coming up in Dream Rehab. They're just two very human things, regardless of what it is you're trying to do. Mm. And, and when did you when did you set this up? Um, probably what we 
coming up to 2020 now. So mid 2018 so for about a year and a bit now okay and what is the format what's the structure give a yeah, bit so more insight so into so currently yeah so currently it's a four-hour workshop okay. it's split into two halves two two-hour halves the first half is entitled reigniting the flame so it's about reigniting the sense of hope and possibility towards the attainment of your dreams through humanizing the, ch- the challenges you have and through the help and support and ideas and connections of everyone in the room. You can start seeing a clearer path to your goal simply because you're accessing the minds of many as opposed to your own mind, which right. is sometimes on some bullshit cognitive loop. So the first half, first half is reigniting that flame. The second half, which I think is the most important half, is what I call how to stay lit. It's like staying lit. Yeah. Like you can reignite the flame. Like I'm sure mm. you've gone to, I don't know, a seminar, I've listened to an audio book, read a book, had a great conversation, got emotionally pumped up, yeah. can see where you want to go, feel good. Then Monday morning comes back around and you go back to your same routine. All those encouraging voices are not in the room anymore. They've all fucked off doing their own thing. And you're like, oh shit, I'm here again. How do I keep that fire burning? And staying lit is about practical systems that you can adhere to follow in order to keep the fire burning and ideally add petrol onto the fire and just actually upgrade and move forward practical ways man and i think this, they're and more is important this that you've kind of concepted did you have like a team that's helping you put this like the, the workshops together or so is it, it just an evolving process mm, it's mainly been me i do now have a very close friend of mine who's a sounding board um her name's joanna she's helped me out she's kind of she sent me a link to a video, actually, a TED talk by a lady called Barbara Scher, who wrote a book about um, multi-potentiality, uh, polymath, which yeah. we kind of mentioned at your uh, Shoreditch House talk, yeah. right? Um, and that video was what led to the idea of Dream Rehab. And so I was like, I, I want to create something. So basically, I've been working as a presenter and a comedian for the last decade and a bit but I haven't been getting any big enough breaks to keep me earning regularly. So, so it's so disheartening, man. So after a little while, I'm like, okay, I'm not getting gigs here in this winner-takes-all market. I'm not winning right now, so it's an uphill battle. How can I use my skills to earn money mm. and to give value to society? So I, and I always knew workshops would be a thing, but I didn't know what I'd be doing. So then the idea of dream, the name came to me. I was like, ooh, I like the name. It's sticky. It makes sense. It resonates. I asked a couple of people about the name. They're like, oh, dope. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to run with this. Um, and then I've, I made those two halves and it's constantly been evolving ever since because I'd learned something from everyone that's in there. They fill out the feedback forms and I evolve it a bit. They fill in the feedback forms and I evolve it. So and it's is, it, is it, um, I mean... What is the the dream? I mean, is mm. it career focused? Is it, you know, personal goals? Interesting. Good question, man. The majority of people that have been coming are people that want to grow within the creative sector. Right. Who are already in the arts. And that, do you think people look at that because they go, oh, um, this is someone that, you know, has hosted many shows or panels or you're kind of in the creative industry yourself. So do you think that's, that people think it's that's Definitely, why? Yeah. definitely, definitely. So I think I'm shit at PR and marketing yeah. currently. I'm not good, right? Well, the website looks sick. So the branding and the you look and the so? feel looks really great. Cheers, yeah. man. That, yeah. was, that was me. I'm, oh, like, well, man, I, it looks, yeah. I mean, I've built Squarespace websites and stuff, but like in terms of 
the format and then even having like the video playback and the footer of the th- I mean it looks really good oh cheers that doesn't I, look like you've done it <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, not, not that means anything but you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of like I've, I've put good Squarespace's websites together but like this looks like you've got it professionally designed that's what I meant to say you know okay I mean? no doubt yeah. I mean your I think your website for this podcast is clean man thanks I'm, I looked at yours, I was like, yeah, that's so much cleaner because I think mine's a little bit clunky. But I, I take the compliment. I appreciate yeah. that. But that was just me. I've just being awesome. too broke to holler at, <laughs> holler at someone to do it. Probably just because I've never really known how to like do automatic video playbook. So I'm like, mm. damn, that's, that's, it's some drag te- and drop, bro. that's some advanced technical you think so, capabilities yeah? you got going. <laughs> no, Wix has sorted it out for me, man. It was like, just drag the right. video here. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool, man. I look like a G. But even looking at your agenda, that personality comes through in the agenda in the sense that you have that kind of like Ruben's first hello, Ruben's second hello, and like not (laughs) taking yourself seriously because I think a lot of agendas you look at would be like opening, welcoming remarks or then, you know what I mean? And even when I looked at that, I'm like, oh, this is different. You know what I mean? So is that something that you're like conscious or aware of or is that just you? No, that was, that's on purpose. Okay. So I'm I'm a comedian and entertainer yeah. before I am an educator. Yeah. Like I'm very new to this, navigating this educate, yeah. this alternative education space. Yeah. To a point where I, I wouldn't even claim myself to be an educator. I'm still an edutainer. I'm literally in the middle of both those things. And for me, the times when stuff has really sat with me when I'm learning is when it's been fun or funny. Like even doing comedy, like Tim Minchin said, the best way, um, comedy is the best way to sugarcoat a pill. Like we're able to communicate hard truths through comedy as a vehicle. And yeah. I've always wanted to use play in any way that I educate. Mm. So Dream Rehab had to be fun. Like the branding's bold. You've got the old lady on the skateboard, which I personally think is a bit of a giggle. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, and if you were to ever sit in a session, which I hope you do one day, you're yeah, welcome to come down yeah. to one soon. It's quite fun. It tells my story in a kind of fun way. But then we cover very dense um, and we can cut uh, deep subjects, man. Mm. But I think it needs some balance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, so let's, so let's do that. It's a nice segue in terms of rewind a bit in terms of old school Ruben and, you know, your your career today. Because... Mm. Looking at your bio, I mean, I counted nearly about 25 different jobs, ranging from a radio <laughs> presenter, a singer, a digital content creator, comedian, workshop facilitator, Jeez. and, oh, let's not forget, uh, I saw a model in there. Somewhere. Oh, after <laughs> model, I did put open brackets, don't close brackets, didn't I? For those that haven't read it. So give me, you know, give, me, give me the rundown. Ah, oh, bro. How long you got, man? Yeah. But it, right, in, in a nutshell, what I have been doing has been, I've been avoiding hard work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> By att- attempting to avoid hard work, I've got here to this podcast with you today. And when I say that, I mean, I've, <clears throat> I've been following the fun, following my bliss. If it sounds like fun, and if the process sounds like I'll enjoy it, I just automatically felt that I'd live a better quality of life, right? Work takes up, I don't know, I put it on the, site somewhere but a big chunk of our life yeah um and i've been really really hyper aware of my of my mortality from a young age i'm a fairly deep thinker and i was thinking about life and death when i was younger (laughs) and i was like shit every day we're closer to our death that's the truth right rubes i'm talking to myself i'm like yeah yeah that's the truth (laughs) when you're gonna die oh you think 80 that's life expectancy let's say here in the uk really you live in newham bruv 
Do you know what I mean? Like for you to get to 40 <laughs> oh is God. a punt. So you don't know, you know you're going to die. You don't know when. And those two things combined really just upped my urgency to go out and do what I wanted to do. So I've literally been following the fun. Um, if something seems like fun, I'll follow it. I'll try it. I'll squeeze the juice out of it until I don't like it or I know it's definitely not the thing. Yeah. And then I'll pivot onto something else. Um, the adventure has been great. It's been fun en route. But in terms of having an anchor and stability... It's been horrible, man. Yeah. And that's the reason I've had dips on route. Yeah. But I just couldn't commit to doing something that I didn't want to do if I don't know when I'm going to die. Maybe I'm a bit stu stubborn, a bit arrogant. That definitely played a part in getting here. But um, yeah, it's the path that I've chosen. Yeah. And I mean, you've had like, you know, you've done a lot of amazing stuff, you know, whether it's been the UK Talk To Me, an online comedy Vox Pop show where you hit the streets asking strangers random questions. Yeah, that's fine. Village man. Mike, um, something for a Sunday. You did, uh, you know, Mo Gilligan's just now got his uh, yeah. uh, Netflix special, but you did a mashup um, with Mo, his series. You've also kind of hosted Virgin Media Pioneers, and then you've also kind of hosted and produced three different podcasts. So there's lots of different stuff. I mean, have they always had a different theme or like, you, you know, were you kind of just chasing each one individually? Mm, good question, man. So I, I've created either what I really wanted to or what I felt the world didn't have. And it was just simply that I was like, okay, we don't have this. There's a couple of people that would probably want this through my conversations and experiences when I was out on the scene. So I'm like, fuck it. Let's just make it. So we just go and make that thing. Yeah. Um, and I've continuously be doing, been doing that. But what I found interesting was when I went into therapy, it was the first time I put the brakes on everything. Um, and I started to kind of look at my past up until that point. That's when I had noticed that there was a pattern in everything I was doing, which was that kind of altruistic backbone, the, that the focus on shedding light on people that weren't being rated or represented quite well, who were really, really talented, but didn't believe in themselves because they didn't see enough people out there like them. Yeah, and, and that transcends race. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not, yeah. like, people automatically think it's a race thing, but not necessarily, man. It yeah. could be a class thing. Yeah. It could be... Uh, the power of, of opportunity, in, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. People not feeling that they have the yeah. platform or... Because you even started, I mean, shout out to my boy, Alex Harris. Um, you know, he introduced me to you in terms of, you know, really kind of setting the precedent in the fashion game with individualism. Right. So kind of, you were doing... Oh, shit. You Did you check us? Have you been... Did you know about Indiv when it was up and running? No. So oh, okay. it was Alex that, you know, when you came to the event, he was like, oh, my God, this guy kind of was really paving the way for kind of people in the fashion industry right from the beginning in terms yeah. of a blogging element. So maybe right. give the audience kind of a bit of an insight into that, because that really kind of was the first thing in terms of you creating a community right. that then led to, you know, obviously right. it's not comedic focus but perhaps maybe that's what no, it ended up school. comedic focus yeah you know? okay yeah yeah so, so, yeah, well, so for the purpose of the yeah. audience what was that all right so i came out of uni i ended up graduating in multimedia technology i came out i was like you know what i don't want to be a web designer that's just long i still want to do other stuff what do i what do i like i've always when i was younger i always stood out in terms of what i was wearing so i was like oh maybe i can be a stylist this is fun i love going out shopping for clothes and putting putting clothes together so i was a stylist for a little while um, and then we were re at the time we were reading a lot of self-development books and spirituality books, which really reconditioned our mind. And when I say us, it's myself and my brother, Aaron yeah. Christian. Yeah. Um, 
And it would really make us believe that we could actually fucking do stuff. Like there was no voices or no encouraging voices at the time bar the authors of those books, which happened to be American youths, which is irritating because like where are the British people that are? Anyway, yeah, that's another yeah. whole discussion, right? Yeah. Um, and so I said, okay, we're going to be a, let's go into this styling thing. I read a book bought by an author called, I think, Peter Montoya called The Brand Called You which was about turning yourself into a personal brand. Um, and then this idea of individualism came up because I've always been one to celebrate what makes me different as opposed to trying to fit in. And I've been trying to tell a lot of my peers at the time, you don't need to fit in like everyone else. You can start celebrating what makes you you, your individualism. So that's when individualism was born. I used to just roll around Stratford with these hats with like individualism written on it. It didn't mean anything. It was just an idea that I wanted to stand for. And then Aaron got involved with the fashion game. It was like, yeah, I like styling too. And then Trini, I don't know if anyone would get this time reference, but Trini and Susanna. Do you remember those guys? No. Trini and Susanna were... I, uh, yeah, I recollect it, but I can't put, put it to face. Right. They're two stylists or image consultants that had a television show on yeah. TV. As far as I know, the two white middle-class ladies that had this show called Trini and Susanna, and they'd do makeovers before right. Gokwang. Right, like on ITV Morning or something like right, that. Right, but yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but there was no one doing that stuff for men. Right, okay. So we were like, there's men that are interested in fashion yeah. and style. Why is there nothing for dudes? So me what, and my, what year are we talking? Like, oh, ooh, 2000 and... What does it say on the site? Because it's... Because those tiles under my showreel, yeah. if you hover over it, it'll give you the year. Maybe 2008... Sorry, for the guys that listen, Alex is just checking out my site. Yeah. 2008, yeah. yeah. So that's when, that was when it, I mean, the idea was born prior, but the site kind of upgraded into the collective mm. around 2008. So Aaron was like, okay, I want to do this. Why don't we be the male Trini and Susanna? Yeah. So we came up with the name, we decided to commit to the name Individualism. We got a really shit website done where the tie was the I for Individualism. Yeah. Cheesy as hell, bruv. Um, and then we would yeah, but at the time you thought it was sick no but at the time we thought <laughs> you were like we, this is the best thing we, since sliced bread we were geez we, yeah. we found our thing we're going to change up the whole fashion industry yeah. all the men around the ends are going to look so much better because we're giving them license <laughs> yeah. to step into their style right so we'll do these videos called skill um, style survival skills yeah. where each week pretty much how to avoid getting beaten up <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 basically stop looking like a prick yeah um yeah, and me and Aaron would present these things to camera and put them out on YouTube and just edit our own comedic, comedic takes, take into things. That's and it cool was just though, man. That's, so much fun doing it. Sounds that. Like, it sounds normal to today standards, yeah. but like to think back in 2008 where people were still experimenting or like exploring how to do stuff with YouTube and social exactly. and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it really was, I guess, one of the kind of the first ones that was, that was paid yeah. in that way. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we, I think individualism at the time, especially in London anyway. Um, we were kind of the first collective that was really championing men's style yeah. as opposed to fashion. Um, yeah, and we'd do all these kind of comedy things and then we'd merge like style advice with comedy um, and we came up with something called Sins of Style, which done really well. So we were like taking a piss out of, like a sin of style for a man would be one of those string bags with a formal suit. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Or, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or a suit with Air Force Ones. Yeah. Which at, now, at like... Yeah, now like, Virgil Abloh is rocking that. Yeah, but, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now people are doing that. But back then we're like, no, nah, there's got to be some rules here. Yeah. So we'd take the piss and we'd, we'd put that out. And then we'd done some collabos with GQ and FHM. And at the time, the community was quite booming. And a lot of people that felt this way and liked this stuff started to gravitate towards us. And a collective was born and mm. we'd put on parties and all that kind of stuff. 
stuff. It was dope, man. So from from there, then I mean, your career really has it's been hosting kind of different shows, whether that be with Virgin Media, supporting entrepreneurs, or kind of producing your own podcasts, um, or kind of you know doing a lot of other like edutainment kind mm. of com- comedy things, you know, being part of TEDx and things like that. But I mean, what what has that journey been like? You know, on an emo- on an emotional level, you know, oh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, man, that has been. I mean, the reason I stopped. The reason I stopped, the reason I kind of just left the fashion or style industry is because you'd get invited to all these parties for a little while. And after a little while, like people, you, you'd go to a party and, try, party and try to make a normal connection with a human being, right? Yeah. But before they even think about connecting with you, they look you up and down and there's a value judgment immediately on what you're wearing. And I was like, it started to become so inhumane to me, the, yeah. the, the interactions. And I, and I personally started to think it was really fickle. And I'm really about honesty, authenticity, and truth. That's just who I am. So I was like, okay, comedy is the only place where I can just fucking tell the truth. And I started to veer towards entertainment. But that journey has been totally up and down. Got signed in the duration of, let's say, 10 years. So what I'd done is I started off on YouTube, UK Talk To Me. Um, people started to see that show within the small creative scenes at the time. I was part of um, a blog with Reggie Yates called A Tribe Called Next back in the day, which helped give me some heat or UK Talk To Me some heat. People were like, oh, he's the guy from UK Talk To Me. You're funny. I watched that show. That was a confidence booster for me. Great. Yeah. Um, and I was hooked on it. I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Entertainment, presenting. And then someone hollered at me and asked me to host a live stage. I was totally scared, but being a yes man that I am, I just like attacking my fears because I know I can grow that way. I done a stage um, and from there, I just started hosting loads of different stages. Um, entertainment mainly, comedy, variety nights. And then people asked me to facilitate on like entrepreneurial debates and all that kind of stuff. So that's where I realized my niche was. But trying to get paid for that if you're not on TV is a myth. It's so hard, man. Wow, yeah. There'll be times where for a month, I might earn 50 quid for a whole month yeah. and I'm just living at my mum's house yeah. just yamming off her food yeah. not paying rent yeah. just hustling hustling putting out videos and you just have these ups and downs ups and downs I got signed to like two or three agents um, what and they didn't didn't pull through <sighs> I mean the first agent saw um, promising me from early but at the time they were really new and they didn't really have connections they're like oh you're a great presenter and they started to put me up for jobs like going out to the north of England presenting a, a, a video on drain pipes <laughs> for the local council. Wow. Here's your drain pipes. This is how to fix them. Yeah. I was like, shit, this don't feel like the dream. <laughs> this, and I was like, these guys aren't doing much. So I just left. Right. Fair enough. Um, then someone in the BBC put me in contact with another agency. At the time, this was the same agency that Ramesh was initially signed to and a couple of other big cats. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I made it now. I'm in there. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, no, like we've had TV meeting after TV meeting, nothing goes through to production and it just becomes disheartening. They downsize, they get rid of a whole heap of talent and they keep like three of their money spinners. Everyone gets dashed, including Ramesh, by email. And I tell you what, bro, when I got dropped by email... It felt so fucking horrible. Yeah. Sorry, we like to swear on this. No, no, you can swear, yeah. yeah but it felt especially though so as well when horrible. it's like something like that, like an agent, there's a relationship there. You yeah, know what I mean? Built it's not a like relationship. Yeah, exactly. you thought they cared. You like met with you and like they you know they promised the world and you have and like go out for the dinners yeah, and the team yeah, yeah. meetings. And it's just like some copy and paste email with my name at the top. I was like, whoa, and that really, really hurt, man. 
But then that's the thing, though. I guess it's interesting. I mean, and, you know, props to you for, you know, keep going and, you know, it's like fail, fail, try again or keep trying to, you know, work up the ladder. But I mm. guess, you know, and I know there's so many industries out there where people might be listening and, you know, being an entrepreneur and, you know, you've got to hustle and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. But is it just that industry? Because I've, I tried to start out in film when I was younger and it is very hard. Like, it's like who you know and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. then even to think where you had, you know, pretty good kind of, um, you know, like a quite good of examples of work that you've done and presenting yeah. and stuff and even having a few different agencies, it's just so, you know, it's just yeah. bad luck or is it just shit that didn't work out? And then... Yeah. And then now, I mean, I guess the point comes to a point where if you're on your, your own mental health and just like well-being, it's like enough is enough. And then putting that energy into something else. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought deeply about this for years. Yeah. And the answer is, I don't know. Yeah. But there are just loads. There's so many moving parts to this. Yeah. Yeah. Could it be the fact that. I don't know, man. Like there's gatekeepers. Yeah that we don't know, right? And everyone within the industry has got some sort of intent or they're doing things for a reason. And if what you're doing doesn't necessarily match up with what they're doing, it's not necessarily happening. And for anyone to actually get a big break on TV, I think you have to wait for the moon and the sun and the stars yeah. to all collide, mm. uh, align, sorry. And it's just, it was just too much risk, too yeah. much external Risk. Like I'm waiting for shit to happen outside of my own control, and that's horrible. Oh yeah, especially 100%. if you're constantly working and you're not getting anything. Yeah, well that's and it. Like you said, if you're an entrepreneur, you're building a business. Like a lot of that is your own control. Whereas if it's yeah. like you're literally just waiting for someone to like save you, yeah, give you a break. Yeah, yeah. doesn't work. That's like hard, that. man. Doesn't yeah. work. The industry ultimately, what I've learned, they don't actually care. They can't. They've, they've, they've. They, there's reasons they put certain shows on, and there's reasons they bring certain talent through at certain times mm. they don't really care about your dreams why would they everyone yeah. has ultimately got their... it's for their bottom line isn't yeah. it yeah 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 or people are trying to keep jobs there's just so many man maybe race had something to do with it nepotism I don't know man yeah I don't know so through all of that though I mean it's obviously there's been a lot of building blocks in terms of creating the character you are today but like in terms of yourself you know you mm. mentioned you know you, you came to a point where you went through therapy I mean was that such a kind of a, a building oh, experience for bruv. you. Have you done therapy before? Uh, Have you ever been in No, it? not proper, proper therapy, no. Oh, therapy is... Never in a million years did I ever think I would need a counsellor or a therapist. I, within my circles, I'd like to think I'm the one that does the most work on self yeah. in terms of introspection, going against the grain, attacking my fears, living that experience, understanding myself, but on top of that, studying and reading so much truth-based stuff. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I know myself. I'm good. Then then every, then all the rejections and everything just gets too much. Yeah. And then there's a personal incident that happens. And then all of that combined, I was like totally knocked for six. And on this time, I was knocked so far down. I was like, I don't even want to get up, you know. Yeah. I just want to fucking rest. I don't want to try any more. Hope is irritating because hope leads to pain. Fuck this. Let me just sit in this pain. Yeah. Um, sat in a pain for a little while and I'm not really good at sitting in pain because <laughs> yeah. I'm solution focused. I'm like, fix it. Let's fucking move forward. Yeah. Um, Realised I didn't have the answers to what was going on inside me psychologically. Yeah. So I decided I needed to see a therapist and went into that process and I had realised that by being entrepreneurial and artistic folk, being an artist and an entrepreneur 
what I'd done is constantly put loads of layers, like barriers on me in order for the bullets of rejection to just ricochet off so that I can power through. Like, you know the journey's going to be hard, so you put up these barriers. But what happens after a little while is you identify as the person who wears the armour when they're two totally different people. The armour is around you. You need to be able to take it off. I didn't know that. And so, like, sorry, this is hard to explain. It's coming out in a bit of a no, muscle. No, no, I mean, it's making sense. But yeah, like I put up so much armor to navigate. Yeah, so many layers navigate. as like a buffer just to get your way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To not shit. be knocked down, yeah. just keep getting yeah. up. And after a little while, I put so much layers on that I couldn't access the real me when it came to emotions and stuff like that. Especially as a man. Like, yeah. I didn't know the difference between thoughts and feelings. And like I didn't even know. All I know is get up, don't be a pussy, smash forward. That's all I've ever known. And then it all comes crashing down. You don't know what's going on. You don't have the power to do that. And therapy, you really start shaving down those layers and just opening up to see the real you and and who you are and what really matters. And it isn't totally about taking the armor off. It's about like ridding yourself of the armor. It's about being able to take the armor off. Maybe when you come home, whatever home means to you, whether that's your friends, family, or actual place of residence with your significant other or whatever. But then when you go back out into the big bad world, you can put the armor on again and go and navigate it and then take those licks. But I didn't, I, I wasn't able to separate between the two, but therapy taught me that. So it taught me about vulnerability. It taught me about sitting with emotions and understanding myself a little bit better, the why behind a lot of my actions. Um, and mate, it was horrible at first. Because you're like, imagine you're 30 plus and you come to the conclusion that you don't know who you are. Mm. You're so alone. You're so, so alone. So, yeah, the journey with my therapist was actually a really, really good one. And how long, how long was the... I was in there uh, weekly for 18 months. Wow. But I took it so, so seriously. Like, I've, I've come up with a system. That's for, an investment as well. Yeah, man. Was an investment I was borrowing you. money. I didn't have money for that yeah, shit, bruv. Yeah. Like, £50 a pop yeah. on the cheap side. Yeah. With no gigs coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just shows how important it was. Yeah. And, f- and from that, learn- Dream Rehab was built in that time. The yeah, learnings- so I was going to say, so that yeah. kind of keeping yourself lit, that element, because I was going to say, you know, you could go into rehab for like six months or whatever, but then I guess a lot of that, part of that is to ensure that then, you know, you're not kind of going back on yeah. the, the What therapy. is that called when you go back on well, it? In, in, in drug addiction, it's relapse. Yeah, relapse. Yeah. But I don't, <laughs> same know, thing but I don't know if relapse is the same term in terms of mental health, is it? I don't know. Well, well for the sake of the argument, for the sake I of understand. This, yeah. so, so, so that now, that obviously contributed towards dream rehab. Yeah. As you said, you had two parts. One is like, you know, let's talk about it. And then the second one is then maintaining that litness. So mm. that makes so much sense. Yeah. You know, having kind of gone through that process and and, yeah. and, a, and a lot of that I, I can imagine from the books that you're reading from the TEDx talk that you're inspired by have all kind of gone into Dream yeah. Rehab now it's informed it 100% yeah. and it's informed like the new direction really or the, or the clearer direction I should say so, so nice segue into the next yeah. question how do you stay focused then and, and keep moving forward and, and, and making progress yeah good question so in Dream Rehab we cover this we uh, I kind of teach how to build and maintain what I call success teams. A bit of a cheesy name to some, but I think it's it's bang on, to be honest. It's like a support group. So what a success team is, is one or one, two or more people that meet every single week, two or more people with a name or a goal, 
right, or a dream that meet every single week to help each other out until they get to where they want to get to. That is simply the solution to moving forward for me now. So if, I, if I'm meeting someone, say, for example, I'm working towards a, well, a one-man show. It's something I haven't done. I've been thinking about it for a little while. Let's put it on. It's new, so I'm scared. It's the unknown, so I'm scared. Whether I admit it or not, I, the, mind, the, the mind is just doing its job yeah. to try to keep me away from the unknown, right? So it's projecting fear and all sorts of mm. bullshit. So in order for me to push through that, I'm meeting up with people every week, chopping it up in terms of ideas, which is reinforcing <laughs> self-belief in the project. Um, plus people are keeping me accountable and I'm keeping them accountable. So we're helping each other out, just push through and grow. Um, and that's currently how I'm staying lit. I mean, on top of that, I've got daily practices that I follow when I'm out, let's say in a cafe for three, four hours doing work. I just follow this like rigorous plan um, and try to get some deep work done or I'll just be distracted and it would just um, be what, wasted. Can you shed some light on that? Like what, what are those... Yeah. Um, so, I mean, a morning ritual has been quite helpful to kind of start the day off. Um, like I've been doing a bit of research on morning rituals and I've tried to smash everything into this one um, method. I'll get it up actually. But there's, yeah. So, I mean, this is it's an interesting topic and we talk about it a lot on the podcast, but there's one uh, episode with Jonas Altman at the beginning kind of when I first launched the podcast and he talks about the golden hours of working and mm. um, how really there's only four deep work hours in a day. Yeah, man. And it's like finding them for you and they might, they might all be in the evening or they might be the first two hours from 10 till 12 and then, you know, usually you have an afternoon slump where you get tired and then maybe from four till six, you're, you're bashing out the rest of the work. Yeah. So it's quite interesting to always kind of, you know, speak to other people. How, well, how do they maintain productivity? Yeah. But also, um, you know, he talks about like white noise is actually quite helpful. Helpful. You know, being yeah. in an environment, sometimes a quiet room is, 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 is almost distracting. It sounds mental, but it is, you know what I mean? Or you could be in a cafe just having that white noise of clinking and clunking and people talking. Yeah, it's kind of provides some inspiration. Yeah, yeah, it's mad. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like I, in order for me to get some good work done, I currently work from um, Rich Mix in Shoreditch, yeah, yeah. the Indigo Cafe next to it. Nice. Because there's no one that comes in there on a weekday. Yeah. So it's just me, the Wi-Fi, and good coffee. Nice. And there's just nice people at times passing. So if yeah. I go out to Shoreditch for lunch, I'm making connections and collisions with other creative people that I could potentially collaborate on. But then I go back into that space to do the deep work that I need to. Nice. And then I bring that later on to the success team if I want to collaborate. Yeah, and so in that, I'm just like... I. I can only really concentrate properly for about 25 minute bursts, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I read about this. Yeah. That's so it. it's like, it's like, yeah. So you, you basically set timer for 25 minutes, just go mad, yeah, focus. Hammer. And then you have a break. Yeah. Put the keep, blinkers yeah. on, then take them off. And then go out to take a piss. I'm out there on the vape. I'm trying to get off of it, but I'm vaping at the yeah, moment. Yeah. Go out there for a breather and then come back. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's really interesting. What, what are you curious about right now? I'm curious about exploring. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about finding out what other things I would enjoy doing, mm. because I think I know myself. Like it's, it's like this this unknown unknown thing, yeah. right? Like we know what we know, we know we we know what we don't know, but we don't know what we don't know if that makes sense or some shit like that. But I know there's there's realms of possibility that hasn't been explored. And I'm curious to land in, in those realizations. And also, I wonder how I'll get there. So I'm constantly trying to open my mind and get into different circles, which would spark newness. 
Um, I've constantly been trying to do that mm. because I, be, I get bored quite quickly and I think it's a bit of a challenge for me, man. What, what do you do, like, uh, you know, instead of obviously doing your, when you're working during the week, um, like, what do you do to keep yeah. happy out of work? <laughs> like, it's hard, man. I, I've, I spend too much time working. Even if I'm not in front of a computer, my creative brain is still ticking and solving problems and coming up with new ideas. So I feel it's always kind of working. In order for me to get out of that zone, I have to actively schedule in social time. So I said to myself, I'm going to go to a load of events where I think really interesting people would be, and that would be a social exercise. So one of those, and just find different communities. One of those communities was special guests. Okay. Have you ever been to special no, guests? No. Special guests London? Oh, mate, it's such a dope event. So I went to one of those. I was like, wow, what a dope event. And I constantly went to a few more and I become part of that community. And those community members are part of what I'd call my new tribe oh, great. of people now. And the more spaces like that I can get into, the richer my experience of life would be. And I'd just have more, just more, more fun experiences. I like to, like to dance, like to skate. If, before Bagley's was closed down in King's Cross, I used to go there and vibe out to the music on the old quad skates. Go out. Soulful house raving with some of my peeps when possible. Nice. Jake Leg. Nice. Yeah, I need to do more socialising. I need to do more fun things, man. Yeah, it's, good, it's good to have a balance, but, mm. you know, everyone's hustling. It's, it can be hard sometimes. Yeah. Um, sadly, we're coming towards the end of the episode, so last couple of questions. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we touched on it, but just some quick-fire tips for anyone out there that is looking to kind of, you know, work towards their dream or, or something to kind of keep on working positively yeah hey man good question i like to give out practical stuff that's actually worked as opposed to these ethereal ideas believe in yourself do you know what believing in yourself is hard when you don't fucking believe in yourself. <laughs> yeah. like, how do you just believe in yourself yeah yeah um oh in regard to believing yourself you believe in yourself your self-belief grows every time you attack a fear incrementally so when you do the thing you're scared of and you do it again and you do it again self-belief grows and you start to believe in yourself more that's how you believe in yourself it don't just happen through some like cognitive conditioning, in my opinion. Um, if you're scared to try something or you've been thinking about something for ages and you want to do it, whether that's something career-based, a personal little test, there's a beautiful exercise by Tim Ferriss called Fear Setting. Have you heard of this? No. We bring this up in Dream Rehab. It's honestly one of the best exercises you can do to take the fear out of your head onto paper in three different steps and analyze it so that it loses its power over you. Um, and you can take the steps forward. So there's um, a TED talk called Why You Should Define Your Fears Instead of Your Goals by Tim Ferriss. And he explains the fear setting exercise. That's really, really helpful for anyone trying to move forward with anything. And a nice um, segue to that is mm. how can people find out or attend Dream Rehab? Yeah, uh, Dream on Insta Instagram's a good place to keep up to date with Wagwan. Uh, on Instagram, it's at Dream Rehab underscore D R E A M R E H A B underscore. And to check out the website is dreamrehab.co.uk. Um, if you hit the Dream Rehab DMs up, I'll reply, or you can hit me up on at Ruben Christian One on Instagram and rubenchristian.com to check out the site. And you just said then, uh, so you actually, so besides doing Dream Rehab, people hopefully can see a solo show coming up soon, you said? Yeah, I'm working towards <laughs> it, man. So the things I've got going on at the moment, I've just finished this first pilot of the Samsung Not A School project. Yeah. That might be happening again in 2020. That's about alternative education for young people getting into the creative industries. Um, 
might be doing some stuff with some other brands that you might be familiar of, but I don't want to jinx the ting yeah. <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, might be pitching to television for some stuff if they find it interesting. But for the most part, I'm going to try to stay on path with Dream Rehab, creating value for the community. And then whatever the hell this one-man show is, just for artistic expression. Because our Dream Rehab's really dense. Yeah. And I need to balance it with some, some lighter, fun stuff. Or I'll, I'll just be too serious, bruv. Yeah. No, awesome. <laughs> well, thanks so much. You've been great. Yeah, um, thank you so me, much man. for your, you know, being so transparent and kind of shedding light into your journey to date. I think a lot of people will resonate with that. And I think, you know, we're hearing more about it in the media, but it's just so important to talk about kind of mental health and issues. And I think everything that you're doing with Dream Rehab is so on point and, yeah. and hopefully supporting a lot of people. So thanks so much. No problem, man. And thank you very much for thinking of me and bringing me on the podcast. I appreciate that. You're so welcome. Yeah. Cheers, cheers buddy. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast can intrigue, inspire, and provide some key tips and tricks for a lot of people. I would really appreciate your help to grow the community. If you know anyone that you think would enjoy this podcast, then please send it their way. And if you can subscribe and leave a review, it would mean so much and it really supports the show. Thank you and see you next week.